well, I jokingly said to the guys uh, as we were praying this morning that we are finishing 1 John, and so we've plumbed the depths of it, we got it completely, completely checked off, but that's just not true, and we know that. If we preach through any book of the Bible, um, we're not done with it. There's so much more to what God has said to us about who he is, about how he's displayed his love for us and his son Jesus about how Jesus fulfills all the commandments. And so for us to spend six weeks, or five weeks, six weeks now, in First John, uh, we're not going to cover it all. But what we have seen has been really sweet. This letter of John, the disciple whom Jesus loved, the beloved, that's how he refers to himself, like, that's amazing, the one who has been loved by Jesus, writes this message to the church, and he's reminding them He's reminding them of who they are. And there's decades between his experience of Jesus and his writing this to the people that need to be reminded. And John hasn't seen the person of Jesus. He hasn't leaned on Jesus' chest. He hasn't sat with Jesus for maybe 40 or 50 years as he's writing this. But you can see and hear that the experience that he had was life-changing. Utterly life-changing. He knew Jesus. He experienced Jesus. I love that Matt used that for prayer confession. I try to slide that Ephesians 3 prayer in whenever I can. How high and how wide and how long and how deep is the love of God in the person of Jesus Christ? John has experienced that firsthand in a way that you and I will one day experience it. We haven't experienced it yet, but one day we're actually going to see Jesus and feel Jesus and hear Jesus' words audibly, maybe. I don't know how the new creation is going to work. Maybe we'll have different ears, but but we're going to have a full experience of Jesus. But we don't have to wait. That's the beauty. That's That's what John's pressing to today. You have been given life today. This eternal life that he's talking about is not a life that, would, that one day you're going to have. No, you get to have the experience and know who Jesus is today. By the power of the Spirit, by the working of the Word, in our hearts and in our minds, we, and in, in our lives, we get to experience that. And so, I just want us to press into that this morning. The title of the sermon is, That You May Know. That You May Know Jesus. That's where John is going, and we see it at, at the end of 1 John chapter 5, in verse 20. It says, and we know that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding, so that we may know him who is true. That's the summary of all that John would write. John wrote about, hey, walking in the light, Right? The assurance that you are Christ if you walk in the light. And so we have this confidence that we can be who we are because Jesus is who he is. And so we don't have to hide. We get to come with with our brokenness, with our failures, because Jesus was not broken. He did not fail. And today, if you and I believe that, then we are in him. He continues to write and correct the, the wrong teachings at the time that Jesus was not fully a man or that Jesus was not fully God. And so he presses into this understanding that, no, we have to know and believe that Jesus was both fully man so that his death paid the penalty for man. And we have to know that he's fully God because he was the only one that could fill the, fulfill the righteousness of God. 
totally righteous on our behalf. And then he talks about, listen, if that's true and you are in him, then you better see some fruit. You better see some fruit of the righteousness. We shouldn't love sin. We should actually flee sin. We should love one another and we should love God. And so he's, he's built this premise. And I love John because he kind of talks the way that I do. He talks in circles and sometimes he gets really excited and he just interjects some things and then he circles back around to, oh yeah, and, and I was going to here. But you see that there's this passion that he has for the one that he's known. So today, we want to know him. We want to know Jesus. If the Spirit has done what only the Spirit can do in our hearts and, and quickened us and brought us alive, then we have a desire to know Jesus. And if he hasn't done that, then maybe today's the day that he does that for you. Maybe today's the day that he says, that, that Jesus that you've heard about, I want you to know him. And some of us have just got, we've forgotten, we do know him, but we, we get so caught up in life, we get so caught up in the busyness of things that we forget No, that's my Jesus. So I pray that today we would hear God's word. That we would hear John speaking to us, the church, thousands of years later and saying that we would know the Son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we may know him who is true. And we are in him who is true, in his Son, Jesus Christ. He is the true God in eternal life. So let's ask God to do that in and to and through us today. Lord, we thank you for the gift of your Holy Spirit. We thank you that um, while some of us are very uh, intelligent and quick, some of us aren't. And so we thank you that the Spirit is doing a work. It doesn't matter our intellect. It doesn't matter our understanding. It doesn't matter our engagement because the Spirit is doing this thing, quickening our hearts so that we would desire to know and love you with our whole heart, soul, mind, and strength. And Lord, there's, there's no basis on our ability that would make this so. There's simply your grace and your kindness and your goodness towards us. So Lord, we, we thank you for that. We pray that you would pour it out today. We pray that there would be some today who, who, who know all about you. But maybe they don't know you. Lord, may today be the day of their salvation. And some of us are just walking in and we have no idea what's going on. Why would we sing? Why would we want to do any of this, Lord? God, I pray that we would know you. And some of us have just forgotten. So, Lord, remind us again who you are and your great love for us. Speak in and to and through us today by the power of your word, by the working of your spirit, for your glory, because you're beautiful and you're wonderful. We pray this in your precious son's name. In Jesus' name, amen. So we said that, um, you know, the, the title is that, that you may know Jesus, but there's another title that maybe we could have used. It, it, we could say it's, it's not what you know, it's who you know. And normally that actually has a negative connotation because it, often it's used in like a career field uh, and understanding that actually that guy doesn't know what he's talking about. He's just a good friend. He's just golf buddies with the boss. And so that's why he's getting promoted. But today, it's a really good connotation. So, so put that bad connotation aside and, and embrace this today. It is not what you know about the Bible. It is not what you know about um, church. 
It's not what you know about being a good person. John is, is real clear. He's saying, listen, it's not about what you know. It's about who you know. And you need to know this Jesus, the Son of God. So that's what we're going to look at this morning. John begins with our, in our passage. He says, this is he who came by water and blood. I'm not going to lie. There are some things today that we're reading and we're like, what is he talking about? I don't understand what, what that water and the blood piece is. And water and blood and spirit and the three testify. And then later on, there's a sin that we're not supposed to pray for. We're not, we're not going to dive into everything today. So we have homework. We don't get to just come and check the box and quit. We get to continue to process these things together. We get to read together. I would encourage you, find somebody to read the Bible with on a regular basis. Meet up with them. Press into these things. So ask these questions together and then go find out. I, I do... Due diligence to bring, you know, a lot of things to the light, but there's so much here that we can do together, and it actually works better when we're doing it in small groups and one-on-one Bible reading. So I would just encourage you in that. But this morning, we're going to look at what does it mean that he who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ, not by the water only, but by the water and the blood, and the Spirit is the one who testifies because the Spirit is the truth. So we're just going to start with the hard stuff and maybe it'll get a little lighter towards the end. Uh, this idea is that John is presenting a case. He's presenting a case. And one of the cool things that I read this week in preparation was uh, Preach the Word. It has a commentary series and David Allen is the, is, the, is the author of that commentary series for First John. And he takes this and what, what he does with this is he just creates this courtroom scene and it's awesome. It was really, really good. I wanted to just use it but that, that would be plagiarism so I didn't. But it was awesome so I would just encourage you if you know anything about that and you want to check that out, I can send you the, uh, the link and it's, it's really good. But he has this courtroom scene and, and John's inviting all these witnesses in. And so the first witness that he invites in is the water. And many scholars believe that the water actually is significant and, and symbolizes Jesus' baptism. And then his ongoing work of baptism. And so this baptism piece is how, what testified to Jesus as the Son of God. And if you remember, a really long time ago, we were in Mark. And we were in the beginning of Mark. And we were reading about Jesus' baptism, and what happened there. Jesus goes to John the Baptist in the Jordan, at, at the Jordan River, and he's baptized by John the Baptist. And as he comes out of the water, this crazy thing happens where the skies open up, and a light shines down, and a voice from heaven, sound, a voice from heaven sounds. Now, we've read that a couple times, and maybe you don't, maybe you're just like, yeah, a voice from heaven, it happens all the time. No, it doesn't. It does not happen all the time. It happened this time, this voice from heaven that speaks and says, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. That's a testimony to Jesus. The testimony is that Jesus is the son of God, the one that pleases the father. And so this, this testimony of the water if it's referring to baptism, and again, there's a couple different interpretations, and I'm not sure which one's correct. I, I just know that it, there's value in all of them. They're all faithful. Saying that this water is, is the testimony of Jesus' baptism. Man, 
What a great testimony. This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. It says that um, John bore witness in John 1, 32 through 34. He said, I saw the spirit descend from heaven like a dove and it remained on him. I myself did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, on him who you see the spirit descend and remain, it is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. I've seen and have borne witness to this, the son of God. John's testifying. He's saying that, listen, at Jesus' baptism, it was very clear that Jesus was the Son of God. The blood, again, many scholars think that the blood is reference to Jesus' death. So you have these two moments in Jesus' life that testify to who he is in such a clear way that he couldn't have just been a good man he couldn't have just been a prophet. He couldn't have just been someone that, that, that was kind or a great teacher. He is the Son of God in these moments. They're so clearly defined in his baptism and in his death. In his death, we have several accounts of testimonies that say, surely this man was the Son of God. Mark 15, 39, and when the centurion who stood facing him saw that in this way he breathed his last, he said, truly, this man was a son of God. Luke 23, 39 through 43, if you remember, Jesus didn't die alone. He was crucified with two other uh, thieves, thieves. And so on the cross, they're jeering him. And they're, they're mocking him, and one of the criminals who were hanged railed at him, saying, Are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. Verse 40 of Luke 23. But the other rebuked him, saying, Do you not fear God, since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we are receiving the due rewards of our deeds, but this man has done nothing wrong. And he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And he said to him, Truly I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. In this moment, Jesus is recognized as king. He's recognized as Lord. He's recognized as the son of God. So the water and the blood are testifying to who Jesus is. And actually, in Jesus' death, we know that the greatest testimony that Jesus is the son of God is not in his death, but in three days later, Jesus rises from the dead. Nobody does that. No man does that. Only the Son of God could die, be buried, and three days rise. The water and the blood testify to Jesus. The third testimony is the testimony of the Spirit. And I just want to take a moment here because John has alluded to the, the work of the Spirit several times in his letter. And we need to know, I think probably we have a, a general idea of who God is if we've spent any time in church. We have a, a pretty good idea of what, who Jesus is, but often neglected is the Spirit and what the Spirit does. What's the role of the Holy Spirit? Is the Holy Spirit the one who gives power? Yeah. Is the Holy Spirit the one who intercedes for us? Yes. Is the Holy Spirit the one who gives gifts? Absolutely. What are all of those things for, though? Like if you summed up all, of, all, all three of those things and there's more that the Spirit does, but if, if you said, well, what does all of that encompass? It all encompass, encompasses 
testimony to the fact that Jesus is the Son of God. It's a big deal. The role of the Spirit has been and always will be to point to Jesus, to point to the Son. In verse 6, second half, it says, And the Spirit is the one who testifies because the Spirit is the truth. Today, if you and I believe truth, it's because the Spirit has worked that in our hearts. Because the Spirit is continuing to, to work that out in our minds. And sometimes what we believe in our hearts has a hard time in our minds initially. And yet, ongoing growth, ongoing sanctification, ongoing understanding and diving into the Word of God actually produces a cohesiveness and an understanding in our minds and in our lives that matches what the Spirit has done in our hearts. And so the Spirit is doing this thing to truthfully point to the Son of God, Jesus. The Spirit is the one who testifies because the Spirit is the truth. We saw it in 1 John 4, 2, and 3. By this you know that the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you heard was coming and now is in the world already. Uh, he says Antichrist there, and all of us kind of cringe a little bit. But anyone who is not of God is against God. If you are not for Jesus, you are anti-Jesus. If you're not for the Christ, you are anti-Christ. I believe that there's... Uh, I, I don't understand Revelation. Can we just say that? None of us understand completely Revelation. We do think that there will be a, a particular person or being that will come that is the Antichrist. But what, what John's saying is, listen, there's no middle ground. You're either for God or you are against God. There's no neutrality. There's no ignorance. There's no, I didn't really know. No, God has presented himself. I mean, as we're going to see in Romans, even nature itself cries out to the, to, the, to the truth that there is a creator God. And so we need to know who he is and pursue the knowledge of that. And the Spirit will testify that there is a creator God, and he has a son. His son's name is Jesus. So you have the water, the blood, and the spirit. Let's keep reading. For there are three that testify, the spirit and the water and the blood, and these three agree. If we have the testimony of men, the testimony of God is greater, for this is the testimony of God that he is born concerning his son. So you have the spirit, the water, and the blood. They agree. And then we talk about the testimony of men. And, and here's, here's the deal. John is not ignorant. Yeah, he's in love. He loves Jesus. He has experienced him. But he's not ignorant of humanity and of our own struggle with believing in things that we haven't seen, things that are written down. We want to believe people that we can see more than God who we don't see. And so, but he's saying, but even that, you have confessions of men. You have confessions of, of people that have seen Jesus. You should believe that, but if you can't, you should definitely believe what God has testified. Because God is true. He's not a liar. He's not like us. He's not a man that he would lie. And if God has said it, then we should trust in this truth. We saw it. The Father testified. We talked about it 
in Mark 1, 9 through 11, in the baptism, you are my beloved son, with you I am well pleased. John 5.36 says, For the testimony that I have is greater than that of John. For the works that the Father has given me to accomplish, this is Jesus speaking, the very works that I am doing bear witness about me that the Father has sent me. You read the Gospels and you look at the words of Jesus and you see how many times Jesus points to the Father. How many times he says, but I come because the Father has sent me. I do the will of the Father. What we have is we have the picture of the Father's love in the person of Jesus Christ. Like we said, how high and how wide and how long and how deep, all of those things are found in Jesus. And so you have the testimony of the Father. God himself, who does not lie, has borne this testimony concerning his Son. And then 10 has two whoever's. Whoever believes in the Son of God has a testimony in himself. If we believe, now we testify. It automatically happens within us. Like that belief leads to a proclamation. So then the question is why am I not proclaiming? Well, maybe I'm not believing. So today, if you would take stock in your life and you say, man, am I not, am I not sharing this? Ask the question, do you not share it because you don't believe it? Because I think if we truly believe that Jesus is the Son of God, that he, that he went to the cross for sins that I had committed, thing, sins that I could not fix myself, that I could not pay for myself, Jesus, the Son of God, came to earth, humbled himself, and went to the cross for my sin, died a, a malicious, horrible, tragic death, in my place. And in that moment of atonement, which John speaks about, the propitiation for my sin, he died so that I would not have to die, but I would live. He took my sin and my shame and he gave me his righteousness. A righteousness that I get to see worked out in my life today. And he rose again, promising me an inheritance that I have life and life abundantly now and for eternity, like if all of that is true, that's the best news you could ever hear. So why do I take it and be like, cool, thanks Jesus. Now I've got bigger problems. Or now I've got more important things to do. Or now I just want to relax. Or now I want to, whatever it is, the, the thank you Jesus and or but it's insufficient. Like, we should continually be in a place of, thank you, Jesus. Will you tell me again how much you love me? Can I see it again? Can I gaze at your face again? Can I know you again? Remind me again, Jesus. And then if that's true, then we're going to start sharing that with others. Because it's not, it's not based on what we've done. So if it's not based on what we've done, how could it not be available to them? And if it's, if it's available to them, why wouldn't I share it? Why wouldn't I come running with the good news of Christ to them? And that's not just unbelievers, that's believers. Like, we need to be sharing that together on a daily basis, saying, don't forget, Isaac, your sin is paid for. You've been bought with the precious blood of Christ. Don't, don't worry about whatever it is that you're worrying about, because you have been purchased by Jesus. 
And so this should lead to us, whoever, the whoever believes in the Son of God has a testimony in himself. We are a walking testimony and we get to testify to the truth. But there's also another whoever. Whoever does not believe. Whoever does not believe God has made him a liar. Because it is not believed in the testimony that God has borne concerning his son. Again, no middle ground. There's only two whoever's. There's no whoever is just neutral. There's no whoever just, um, you either believe or you don't believe. And so today, we ask the question, do we believe? And if we believe, how do we know that we're in Christ? Three witness, or these witnesses are testifying to who Jesus is. These witnesses testify that Jesus is the Son of God. John writes, and he, and he says, okay, so if that's true, then how do we know? And so I want you to jump to verse 13. Read that with me, 13 through 15. I write these things that you believe to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. And this is the confidence that we have toward him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the request that we have asked of him. Witnesses to who Jesus was. And then now we, now we circle back. John likes to circle back, and he circles back to this assurance that we have of how we know we are in Christ. We know we're in Christ because we have eternal life, because we would pray and ask God for things that only God could give us, and he answers those prayers. Now, sometimes we like to take this verse, and we like to make it about us, but John's not saying that. This is about who God is and what he has done. And we know that he hears us, in whatever we ask, and we know that we have the request that we have asked of him. If you're in Christ, your requests are going to be right and true and good. You're going to pray differently. You're not going to pray for what you want. You're going to pray that God would continue to work his will in your life. Jesus taught us how to pray. Not my will be done, but your will be done. And so if we're in Christ, we're going to pray that same prayer. And then we see the Lord work in our lives. We see the evidence of his changing grace in our lives. We see it in the lives of our neighbors. And we begin to pray in accordance with his will. And he hears us. And then he moves and works on our behalf. So one of the ways that we know that we are in Christ is how we pray. We have this eternal life. And it's not just a, a, a quantity of life, but it's a quality of life. Eternal life is not saying, hey, for eternity you're going to live because... Really, one of the things that we see as we, as we dive into the, all of Scripture is that our souls are actually eternal beings. But the eternal life that we're going to have is life with Jesus. But there's an eternal death, too, that doesn't stop. It's an eternity without Jesus. Sometimes we refer to that as hell. It's a, it's a real thing. We don't like to think about it because we don't think that we don't like to think that anyone would go there or that that it would be that broken. But the Bible is clear in saying that that's what we deserve because of our sin, because of our rejection of who God is. That we deserve death. 
Eternity without Him, and yet He has sent His Son to bring you and I into eternity with Him. So this eternal life that we have is not simply eternity, but it's a quality of life. John spent a lot of time in his gospel talking about this. And he, and he opens his gospel, John 1, 1 through 5. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. And all things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. When we start talking about what life looks like, it looks like Jesus. It looks like the way that he lived, the way that he interacted, the way that he engaged people, the way that he loved the Father. The way that he loved others, you heard that in John. He points to the assurance that we have because we love God and we love others, just like Jesus loved the Father and loved the people and the humanity that were his. And so another way that we know, how do we know that we know God? We see it in the way that we live the way that we have eternal life. This eternal life is communion with God through the Son. It plays itself out in practicing righteousness. It plays itself out in not, not pursuing our own wants and our own desires anymore, but walking in the commandments and in, in, in obedience to who God is and what He said. Again, all of this is summarizing what John has written to the church. And he says, listen, if you love God, you obey His commandments. We see the commandments of God as this rule, list of rules and things that are going to actually take life from us. And God is, giving, God is saying something different. He's saying, no, I'm giving you these commandments so that you would have life. Life with me. Life engaged in what I'm doing. Not these false things. John says that if we know who God is, we're going to practice righteousness. We're going to love we're going to love God. We're going to love others. We're going to walk in the light. He says in verses 16 through 18 that you, you won't keep on sinning. If anyone sees his brother committing a sin, not leading to death, he shall ask, and God will give him life. To those who commit sins that do not lead to death, there is a sin that leads to death. I do not say that one should pray for that. All wrongdoing is sin, and there is sin that does not lead to death. I thought we were starting with the hard stuff with water and blood, but this is... This is a hard one, too. I don't know exactly what John's saying here, but, but there seems to be that he's talking about the work of the Spirit bringing life. But he's saying that there's a sin that leads to death. And if the Spirit is always pointing to the truth that Jesus is the Son of God, then maybe we could take, what, well, if that's what the Spirit is doing then the, the sin that would lead to death would be a rejection of that. The sin that would lead to death would be the rejection of Jesus being the Son of God. Some people talk about the, the, the unforgivable sin, the quenching of the Holy Spirit. Again, if the Holy Spirit is saying that Jesus is the Son of God and we would say, no, He's not, we are, we are rejecting that and we are quenching that. And that sin will lead to death. Because the only, the only thing that leads to life is a belief in Jesus being the Son of God, that He has paid for our sin, 
that he's risen victorious over sin and death, that's truth. That would lead to life. So the sin of the rejection of Jesus being the Son of God would lead to death. There's a sin that leads to death. Verse 17, all wrongdoing is sin, but there's a sin that, that does not lead to death. So there's, there's things that, that would distract us. There's sins that would hold us back. But if we believe that Jesus is the Christ, he is sufficient to cleanse us from our sins, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And we continue to move toward him rather than reject him and move away from him, even as we war with our, our sinful nature. So, so how do we know? We, we don't keep on sinning. And then verse 21, he says, um, <clears throat> excuse me, little children, keep yourselves from idols. This idea to keep yourself from idols, I, it's a, I've got a really lame analogy. <clears throat> don't settle for cheese whiz when there's Gouda on the table. Okay. Don't settle for cheese whiz when there's gouda on the table. Now, some of you say, I love cheese whiz. Okay, we'll talk about that later. But listen, he's saying, don't settle for idols. Like, if, if this is what you have, if you have the Son of God, why would you chase after anything else? Like, kids love cheese whiz. Right? We get that. They can't read. They don't look at the back and see that there is not a single ingredient that doesn't have a chemical in it. And I know some of you adults love Cheese Whiz too, but maybe you can't read either. I don't know. Check it out though. Cheese Whiz, no good ingredients. But natural ingredients, like good things that are healthy for us, that, that meet a, a mature and a refined palate like Gouda cheese. Why would we settle for cheese whiz when we could have the real thing? Not the imitation. John is exhorting the church to enjoy the good of life. You know what I'm talking about? Go for that. Like, why would you settle? Why would you settle for your own kingdom when you had the kingdom of God offered to you? And Jesus has said, the kingdom of God is at hand. Come to me, all you who are weary. He doesn't even say, hey, fix yourself up and then come to me. He says, come to me, you who are weary and heavy laden into this good life, this pure life, this real life. Don't settle for idols. Don't settle for the substitute. Come to Jesus. Don't chase the unsatisfying. Man, anybody chase the unsatisfying and you know like the, the craziness of that? I know I do. I've chased unsatisfying. I've thought that I'm going to find rest in an escape, and there's no rest there. I've thought that I'm going to find satisfaction in my own name and in my own glory, and there's nothing there except emptiness and hollowness. And maybe you've experienced some of that. And maybe some of you haven't, and so you're going to pursue those things. But I tell you, when you get to the end of that rope, when you get to the end of that thing that you're pursuing, and it doesn't satisfy, Jesus is there. He's there. And He satisfies. And that's where we should be encouraging one another, is in the satisfaction that we found in Jesus. You see, it's not about what you know, it's about who you know. 
Some of you guys can explain the gospel rhythms. That's cool. We got posters. We think they're important. Some of you guys can describe the hypostatic union to me. because Maybe you've listened to Shailen like I have, and he, he spells it out pretty well in some of his raps. Or maybe you've read a good book. Maybe some of you can explain the Romans road that we're going to be going through Romans. And like you, you can talk through the gospel. But these are things that are about Jesus. And they're good things. But, but John is saying, I pray that you would know Jesus. Not about Jesus, but you would know Jesus. That we may know him who is true, his son, Jesus Christ. It's three, three different times that he says that in this passage. <clears throat> Verse 11 and 12, look at that with me. And this is the testimony that God gave us, eternal life. And this life is in his son. Whoever has the son has life. Whoever does not have the son of God does not have life. Reiterates it twice there, and then in verse 20, and we know that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we may know Him who is true, and we are in Him who is true, in His Son, Jesus Christ. He is the true God and eternal life. It's harder sometimes. It's harder to, to grasp the who rather than the about or the what. We think that the what is really tangible, we think that the practice of church is easier than the understanding of a personal relationship with Jesus. But if church and practice and religion and, and all of these things and gospel rhythms and, and understanding of big words or understanding of deep theological concepts does not lead you to a personal understanding and a personal uh, knowing, intimate knowing of Jesus, then it's all just futile. It's useless. Throw it out. It's a waste of your time. It's a waste of your time. Some of you are sitting here like, you're wasting my time this morning because you, maybe your parents brought you. Maybe you have to be here. I'm praying that God would change that in us. That this wouldn't seem like a waste of time. But it would seem like the most, one of the most valuable things we do. Like to know Jesus, to see him, to sit under his word, to encourage one another, to sing songs about him would be something that is, is not a, a practice, but it's a desire that we have, that I want to know Jesus. I want to love him. And you can hear it in John's letter to his church. And this isn't just John, this is the mission of God. It's the mission of the triune God, that we would know Jesus. John 17, 20 through 23, this is Jesus at the Last Supper talking to his disciples, and he's actually praying for them. He's praying to God the Father for them, and he says, I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me, and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one even as we are one, I and them, and you and me, that they may become perfectly one, so that the world may know that you sent me and love them even as you love me. 
That's what Jesus is praying for you. That you would know him. That you would know him in such an intimate way that that it would reflect even the way that God the Father loves God the Son and God the Spirit loves God the Son and God the Father. And like this triune, beautiful community and glorifying one another, you and I are grafted into and we enter into and we get to be part of that. We get to be in this beautiful, loving, satisfying relationship with God. Jesus said, I do not ask for these only. So he's talking about those disciples that are with him, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. That means that the church that John is writing to is the same people that Jesus cried out for and prayed for. You know what else? That means that this church that is reading these words today, Jesus is praying that we would know him and love him and enjoy him forever. Man, what a kind God. What a beautiful Savior. That we may know Jesus. So my question is simple. Do you know him this morning? Do you know Jesus, the Son of God? Not any of the things of Jesus. Not any of the the religious songs. Not even the prayers, but do you know Jesus this morning? Do you want to know him? Listen, maybe you say, well, I I don't really know him all that well. But here's the thing, when the Spirit quickens in our hearts and gives us life and regenerates a heart, it actually stirs a heart that would want to know Jesus. And so maybe this morning you're like, I don't know a lot about Jesus, I don't know who he is, but I want to know him. Man, Rest assured that you are in Christ. Because the only way that you want to know who Jesus is, is that the Spirit has done this work in you. And you are longing to know Him and put your trust and your hope in Him. Because everybody else is going to reject Jesus. There's no middle ground. There are those who love Him and accept Him, and there are those who reject Him. And So I pray that God would do that today. Maybe this morning, like we talked about earlier, uh, you do know Jesus, and you've just forgotten. You've forgotten the truth that's in front of us that says Jesus died on the cross for our sins. He rose again for our sins. He's ascended into heaven. He's sitting at the right hand of the Father. And one day he's going to come back, and he's going to annihilate sin and death. And it's going to be no more. It's going to be done And that day, we're going to sing about it later, when we come home and we're in the presence of Christ, it's going to be glorious and beautiful. Maybe you've forgotten that, and so you've gotten caught up in life. Not eternal life, not this beautiful life, but this weak, idle, fake life. The cheese whiz. Right? Let's, let's, Let's remember that. Let's repent and let's remember who God is. And say, God, help me to live in light of this truth. Like all of it. All of life. Help me to love my wife in light of this truth. Help me to love my kids in light of this truth. Help me to go to my neighbors in light of this truth that you have loved me and given yourself for me. That you are the Son of God. The only one that could redeem me and save me. So this morning... 
Do you know him? Jesus, the only begotten Son of God. And if you would say, I don't, but I want to, praise God. That's, that's what we do together. So what we're going to do on Wednesday as we gather in, in each other's homes. We're going to point to Jesus, the one true Son of God. We're going to encourage each other to love him with our whole heart, soul, mind, and strength. We're going to remember how he has loved us, and we get to do that together. This morning, if you say, man, this is actually the first time where God has done that in my heart, and I just want to tell somebody, I want to rejoice, I want somebody to pray with me, we'd love to do that. That's why we gather. It's the whole point of why we're doing this. So let's do that together. In a minute, we're going to take communion, and we're going to remember the grounds of our salvation. But the question is, do you know Jesus? Let's pray. God, we thank you. We thank you for your grace toward us. God, that while we were sinners, you sent your son, Jesus, your only begotten son, you only had one, and you gave him for us. And you turned your face away from him so that you could turn your face towards us who believe that he is the son of God. God, I pray that we would know you more today, that we would pursue you with our lives, that we would long to know how high and how wide and how deep and how long is the love of Jesus Christ. God, would you stir that in us today? Would you make make us into a people that proclaim that truth? That we would recognize that not only is that good news for us, but that's good news for my coworker. That's good news for my, my fellow student. That's good news for my friend. That's good news for my parents. Lord, and that we would begin to proclaim that good news in a way that's authentic, that's, that's genuinely loving and caring, just as Jesus proclaimed the good news in a loving and caring way. Lord, thank you that you have loved us. Lord, we believe that Jesus is the Christ, that he's the Son of God. Lord, help us to walk in that belief today. In Jesus' name, amen.